prepare yourself to not have anyone there to tell you how to do things. As university students, we had a very, very strong founder market fit. We could easily reach students. We easily, we knew what sort of messaging they liked. We understood what what sort of what their pain points were. We were overloaded with a lot of reading, as I'm sure most students are. Thought this doesn't seem right. Today we talk with Alex, the chief marketing officer of a student productivity tool, Genie who are backed by none other than Harvard, Oxford and Cambridge universities. If you're a student and hate spending way too long reading countless papers, you will absolutely love this. I haven't been paid to say anything about Genie, but I use it myself and it's cut the time I read papers in half. It's really that good. And it's £3 a month, which is incredibly cheap for what it does. We discuss what new students to startups should know, as well as what makes great marketing. If you want to check out Genie, there is a link in the show notes for a 14-day free trial. You will not regret it. Okay. Wicked. Okay, I guess we'll um we'll get started. Okay. Um, thank you, Alex, for coming on. Um, to uh to make sure everyone knows kind of what you do, would you be able to give us like a, a quick overview of your role and what you do? Yeah, sure. So I work as the Chief Marketing Officer at Genie. Um, before that, and at the moment as well, I founded an events company working in music primarily called Goodness. Um, and it's, it's, it's mainly those two at the moment that occupy the majority of my time. Yeah, awesome. Um, so you say you're kind of the, uh, the Chief Marketing Officer. What kind of, um, what's, what's kind of the day-to-day stuff? What does your role entail? Um, so there's the organizing of the strategy for any marketing that we're doing. So understanding the market, speaking to users, um, working out things like messaging, the best way of reaching these people, what sort of channels we should be approaching. Um, and so that kind of breaks down into two, two parts. One is to do with brand awareness. So a lot of that's about how people interact with the brand, do they understand what Genie is? Do they understand what Genie does? Do they trust Genie? The other half of that is uh, more focused on actually getting people in and using it. So that's focused around conversions, making sure that we have a good price on our advertising uh, and our marketing. Um, I'd say a, a big part of what I do as well, because as, as a company, we try to focus quite heavily on product-led growth and, and, and having a really good product that people really love. Um, a lot of what I do is based around generating feedback um, and feeding that into product development to make sure that we're building something that has real value. And hopefully from there, um, we'll get people recommending us to their friends, um, we'll get a bit of viral growth. So the idea is by making something that's, that's really good, really useful, it will help with the marketing as well. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. How have you um? How have you found since launching Genie? How have you found the um the growth at the minute? Yeah, it's been good. So we launched properly. Um, so we launched a paid version in uh, January, first of January. Um, and we have about two and a half thousand paying users now. Yeah. Um, so it's it's growing nicely. Um, we've we've come up to summer. Um, which means we're kind of seeing some students who are using it quite frequently before using it a little bit less. But that's also given us a really good opportunity to think about which other groups of people would be interested in using the platform. 
um, particularly in professional spaces. So we've been speaking a lot to um, journalists, to um, people working in public policy, to um, doctors who have a lot of uh, research. So it's actually opened up a lot of exciting new avenues um, and that's kind of what we're using Summer for. Yeah, of course. So I saw um, on your website, well, anyway, so um, so Genie is like a, a how, how would you summarise Genie in a few words? Um, so I'd say that we're an AI-powered uh, productivity tool that focuses around the processes of writing and reading. Um, so the first stage of that is the reading process, so finding articles and, and trying to get through them faster. Um, but the other part of that is we have things like notes, um, we allow people the ability to, to deep dive um, with various pieces of analysis. So um, that's that's kind of the two the two parts. But I suppose the third part as well is the the organisational aspect. Um, I do realise this isn't much of a summary at this stage. I've kind of uh, gone <laughs> into okay. quite a lot of detail. Um, <laughs> but I say just just to just to summarise the whole thing, it's a it's an AI powered productivity tool for people conducting mm-hmm. research. Yeah, no, it's um, it's awesome. I'm a uh, I'm a user of it as well, and honestly, it saved me so much time. Um, I can't I honestly can't recommend it enough. We just had a call before to uh, discuss the uh, the issues that I might have had with Genie, and honestly, I, I could not find any. Um, I was looking last night, scrolling through. I was like, this is like, it's so simple and like just so perfect. It saves you so much time. I can't recommend it enough. Oh, that's very kind. Um, that's very kind. So you say it's a uh, an AI tool. For those who are kind of unfamiliar with AI, how long does it take to launch like a, a product like this for a beta program? So before we actually launched, we were working on it for over a year um, in various iterations. It started off as a Chrome extension. Um, before that, we were just working on um, the AI models. Um, so it took us quite a long time to get to the stage where we were able to launch, um, but not all of that was down entirely to the AI. In fact, because because a lot of our retraining is ha- takes place by users giving us feedback. Um, so, for example, if uh, a summary doesn't quite come out like how you'd like it, there's the option to recompute it or to edit it or to say the summary wasn't useful, and all of that goes into the retraining. So actually, we've seen our AI improve much more quickly once we started having people using it on a day-to-day basis. Um, but yeah, you know, these things take time. And the, the exciting thing with AI, though, is that it's constantly improving. The more people that use it, the better it's going to get. Mm. And uh, speaking to people, they, they've, already, they've already started to notice the improvements, which is really nice to hear. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. Um, as you say, you kind, of, you kind of launched it quite early. Um, in was it January you launched it? Yeah, that's when Last we launched January. the the paid the paid the, yeah. the, the paid beta, I suppose. Mm-hmm. How how would you uh, how would you kind of say your because uh, it's kind of almost like a online kind of startup kind of would you kind of put it in that kind of bucket? Yeah, I think definitely we consider ourselves yeah. a, a startup. Mm-hmm. Um. So so. What kind of experiences would you say kind of prepared you to work in an environment such as Genie, like a, a startup? Because surely you might have a lot of things that you have to juggle about, a lot of uh, a lot of places to spin. So do you have experience with other things that are kind of prepared you for this moment? 
Yeah, so I suppose before working at Genie, um, I'd, I'd run some other businesses, like, like I mentioned before. Um, they were quite different. They weren't uh, technology-based, um, but it certainly gave me an idea of, essentially the important thing is being able to, to really drive things forward, to take initiative, to work off your own back. Um, and just to keep things moving. Um, so having experience running my own things, growing my own businesses before that was, was certainly useful. Obviously coming into this, it's gonna be a massive learning curve. I think um, mm -hmm. for anyone who is interested in getting into a startup, you, you kind of need, I think you need to understand that when you first start, everything will be new. And I think for, for a lot of people going in, it is, is an overload of information to begin with. I remember, be, I yeah. remember being on calls with people who were twice my age, um, and they were using all sorts <laughs> of lingo that I had no idea. I was literally like yeah. googling stuff in the call to try and find answers. Um, because, like you say, when you begin, you're working three or four jobs at once, um, and so even you know outside of the marketing side, which I had more experience in. I was doing a lot of stuff with the product development, speaking to experienced um, product designers who'd been doing it for 20 years, who obviously knew so much more than I did. Um, but what's really good is that because you're in, because you're dropped in the deep end, you're able to learn really, really quickly. Um, yeah. So after you know being involved with Genie for 18 months, I feel very, very confident. Um, well, much more confident um, in a variety of different tasks and roles um, that I would never have had the opportunity to experience if I didn't have that initial shock uh, and confusion. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like a baptism of fire. Exactly, kind of exactly. <laughs> yeah, so um, uh, you, said, you said before kind of the, it's good kind of being dropped right in the deep end, but it kind of forces you to learn and you can't really sit back. Um, say if someone uh, when you started, say if someone is in exactly the same position as you, just about to go and work at a startup, what kind of advice would you uh, would you give to them to kind of uh, to kind of cut the learning time of what they kind of need to know? Um, so I'd say for me personally, what was really useful is just is getting involved as much as possible. Like I said, when I when I first started, I was very much focusing on the marketing, but it quickly became much more than that. It became product, it became business development, um, it became all sorts of things. So don't be afraid of really getting your hands dirty and, and getting involved with as much as you can. I'd say a big a big thing for me as well was independent learning. I, I, I started reading a lot more um, about, you know, anything that I didn't know, I'd, I'd either try to watch a pretty good YouTube video on it or read a book on it, like ideally. Um, and you, you basically have to pre prepare yourself to not have anyone there to tell you how to do things and therefore just a lot mm -hmm. of independent learning um, and you know every few weeks there'll be a new challenge that comes up something that we haven't really done before or something that we don't know that much about um, so you just need to be willing to really dig your teeth into it and, and try to understand as much as you can mm -hmm. as quickly as possible yeah no brilliant did you um did you go into Genie kind of uh, knowing knowing people previously or was it kind of a a, a job role that you just applied for without knowing anyone else? Uh, no, so it? look, the the founding team at Genie, um, we, look, we were we were all at university together, um, so I knew the original founders. Um, they, they they mentioned it to me. They knew that I'd done a, a bit of business stuff before. 
Um, so it was quite easy for me to get involved um, through them. Uh, and from there, it just it just grew out. We started to you know hire people outside of our circles. Um, but it really just started at university, a group of us uh, who either knew each other or knew each other through other people um, had this idea. We, 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 were, we were overloaded with a lot of reading, as I'm sure most students are. Um, we thought this doesn't seem right. You know, we, we're not really spending enough time on the important stuff. We're just having to skim stuff or we're missing things out. What can we do to uh, improve the experience? And that's, that's pretty much how it, how it started. Mm. Uh, brilliant solving a solving a pretty big problem for i'm sure every single student has experienced at some point um so so you say you're saying about genie being there using academia so you've got support from some pretty big universities out there um so what what would you say is a kind of future goal for genie what's kind of like the one year two year from now yeah, it's a great mark. question. So I'd say, I mean, future goal is, the, the, the long-term goal ideally is for anyone who's conducting research to be using Genie, be that, be that students, be that academics, be that people in government policy, financial analysts. You know, we want people who have a lot of reading to do, feel like they're overloaded with it, or feel like they want to get through more. Those are the people we want to be using Genie. Um, within, within the shorter term, um, it's about it's about trying to really provide people with value. I think um, we've, we've, we're quite happy with the level of growth we've had, but so far, obviously, you know, we want to grow more. It's still very early stages, but the thing that's really that we believe is really going to drive that growth forward is building a product that really provides people value, really saves people time. Um, and really hopefully makes the research process much smoother. So I'd say that's, that's, the, that's the immediate um, goal and we hope with that comes, you know, growth. Yeah. No, cool, I'm sure it will. Um, so kind of, <laughs> when you started, I, I guess the uh, one big thing, well, in any, in any kind of field really, is kind of having a, a mentor or some kind of public figure or book or something like that so you can kind of base your understanding on and kind of go to the next level have you got kind of any did you have first of all did you have kind of like a, a mentor at genie and kind of took you under your wing and did you have like any uh, kind of public figures or books or anything like that that kind of helped you take the next step um, in genie so we didn't have any official mentors. What we did have was we had a really good um, group of early angel investors, um, non-executive directors. So the office that we're actually in belongs to our one of our non-execs, um, who very kindly, given the pandemic, was able to lend us a few desks. Um, so that saved us, you know, a lot of money that we shouldn't really be spending on an office where possible, um, but also allowed us to work in a, a team environment. So things like that are really useful. Um, they've also got experience with um, a lot of the stuff that coming straight out of university you won't have, things like the legals, the finances and accounts, um, all that stuff's really, really useful. And just people who have been there and, and done it, it's the same with investors. You know, A lot of these guys have run big businesses themselves or are running big businesses, so just having someone who can guide you in that sense has been, has been really invaluable. Um, in terms of books, um, one that I read uh, that was quite formative is an absolute classic is uh, crossing the chasm um 
it's uh, it really informed the way that we were that we were thinking about our growth. Um, like I said a, a bit before, you know, we had a really good, uh, really good uh, early interest and, and a nice level of, of early growth. But what we realised is that to take it to the next level, we really need to be providing a different sort of value, one that's focused on usability, ease of use, really just fitting into people's workflows and making it as seamless as possible. Um, so that really informed the way that um, that that we that we uh, look at the business. Another one that I'm reading at the moment is uh, Nirayal's Hooked, uh, which is is about yeah about yeah. Um, so I guess for, for those who don't know, it's 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 also a bit of a classic. Um, it's uh, about about product development, about understanding why people use things. Um, I've been really intrigued recently by game design theory. Um, I've been listening to a lot of interviews with. Um, the guys who run Superhuman and, and their their whole ethos is about building a, a game that, well, building building a platform on the basis of games, um, an environment that you live in that that you're encouraged to um, learn about, learn how to master in a way. Uh, and I think that's something that's really interesting because a lot of these platforms, the ultimate goal is for people to enjoy using them and to enjoy um, making them a part of their life rather than a tool that they have to, you know not really enjoy use but do so because they want to get something out of it um, so I'm finding that that theory um, behind game design and, and the, the practices there are really really interesting in terms of how we think about building the product and moving forward mm-hmm. oh, cool so um, you say before that you uh, well you're obviously working in Gene now which is a uh, very service based kind of business um, you say before that you ran uh, was it goodness like yeah, a music yeah. events kind of thing um how 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 was that how did you um what was the kind of um basis behind um, goodness so, i mean at at university group of friends similar sort of thing we we all just really enjoyed music uh we enjoyed playing music going out um and we just mm-hmm. decided to start doing some stuff ourselves um it went pretty well at, uh, at the start. It was just you know friends and, and stuff who were coming. We we managed to eventually grow out to doing stuff all over the UK really. Um, so London, Bristol, Manchester, oh. um, as well as Oxford. Um, so that that happened quite organically as well. It's just we had friends at different universities who who wanted wanted to get involved and, and wanted to to uh, be a part of it as well. Um, so that was that was that was really good. Obviously, with the pandemic coming along, that that all, uh, was was put to bed slightly, <laughs> at least for the time being. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's re- really really fun thing to do whilst whilst being a student, and um, yeah, very very exciting. Yeah, awesome. We keep a yeah. Once stuff starts uh, opening yeah, up again, yeah, we'll no, keep definitely. a lookout for that. Um. So um. For for Genie, it's a very um, uh, personally myself. It's a very inexpensive thing to be paying out for. It's something like the student yeah, plans yeah. about three pound a month, something like that. Um, how how did you kind of decide almost how much to charge? How much did you decide how much your service is worth? How did you um, come to that number? So to begin with, there was actually a big debate about whether we just make it completely free. Um, we. Mm-hmm. 
As I said before, the focus for us at the moment really isn't about making as much money as we can um, or growing as quickly as we can. The focus is really actually on getting people to use the platform um, and making sure that it's, it's, it's useful for them. So in order to do that, we need as many people as we can using it. On the other hand, another consideration for us though was moving forward as a, as a, as a startup. And one, one part of that is being able to raise investment. Um, and a big question that you'll get trying to raise money is, uh, will people pay for this? You know, are you solving a big enough problem that people are willing to actually give you money for it? Or is it just something that people will use because it's free? And then down the line, as soon as you try to monetize it all, um, you won't get anywhere. So we thought, okay, let's, let's go about trying to answer this question. Um, don't charge much to begin with. Focus still primarily on getting people in, but let's also see, um, let's also see if it's something that people are willing to pay for. And most of the feedback so far has actually been that it's very cheap, that they, that they would probably pay more, uh, that they'd be probably willing to pay more, um, which is yeah. obviously, great to hear um, but I think we, we essentially came to that number through um, trying to keep it as cheap as possible whilst also trying to gauge whether it's something that people would pay for and using any feedback on that pricing to adjust for, for further uh, further changes uh, in, in the way that we price the product. Mm. Yeah so you said about um, uh, uh, kind of testing it, see if people will pay for it and everything. Is that kind of the uh, the main prerequisite to decide um, decide to pursue an idea? Like, if if you have a um, a backing behind you, is that the kind of the main um, the main part? I think of it, in terms of evaluating whether an idea is worth pursuing, there are a few important factors. One, of course, is are you solving a big enough problem? I.e., is it something willing a people are willing to pay for and how much would they pay for it that's that's one consideration another consideration is the size of the market you're going for how many people are willing to pay that much is it just mm -hmm. you know is it just a handful of people who would pay a lot of money or is there enough people to actually make it um, a sustainable business another aspect of it is what is termed as the founder market fit so how well is your early team adjusted to the market that you're trying to pursue or what you're actually trying to produce. So for us, as university students, we had a very, very strong founder market fit um, to begin with in the sense that, you know, we, we, we could easily reach students. We easily, we knew what sort of messaging they liked. We understood what, what sort of, what their pain points were. Um, so I think those, those, those are, those yeah. are um, some of the, some of the considerations. Um, and then I suppose that the the other one is you know is it achievable? How easy is it to build? How easy is it to get off the ground? Um, so I think those those are the four questions that we ask ourselves when we when we begun. And to be honest, we continue to ask ourselves. You know, like I said over summer, we've been evaluating other other groups, other markets who might be interested in using the product, and we're going back to the same questions. Um, how big is the problem? Is the market big enough? Are we? Is it possible for us to build it? And do we understand that market? Mm. And if we don't understand it, what can we do to actually understand it more clearly? Um, yeah. 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 Awesome. You're clearly, you're clearly, very passionate on this. To so say, what, what's the, what's the kind of 
best thing you enjoy about doing doing uh, your role and what you're involved in? That's a great in? question. Um, I think I think coming into it, I was really <laughs> interested in the in the branding and and in building um, something that people really loved um, and wanted to get involved with. Because obviously, when we started, you know, we didn't even have a product really. Um, mm. Everything was just about producing something that people were excited about, that people were interested in, um, and I think it's quite easy when you're when you're building a startup to get quite excited about the prospect of bringing people in, having people use it. Um, so to, to begin with, and, and of course, given my background, that that was kind of what I knew. Um, but as we've gone past that initial stage of growth. What I've become increasingly excited in is the is the gap or the bridge between marketing and product. So how you can actually use what you understand about your market, use what you understand about your users to inform the way that you develop the product, and by vice versa, using the product development in order to encourage growth. Um, we we firmly believe that if people love the product, they'll probably tell their friends about it. Their friends will tell their friends about it, and actually, by doing that, the the, the role of the marketer, yeah. the role of the, the marketing team, becomes very easy. Um, so I think what has really excited me, and and to be honest, what's really excited our whole team is is product led growth, um, and just building a platform that people love to use, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm a uh, I'm a big big advocate for Genie. I can't lie. It's um, I've said I've said before. I'm absolutely bored over by how simple and just easy to use it is. Um, so I implore anyone listening to this to um to go check it out. Yeah, get a, yeah was it a fourteen day free trial? Was it? It's kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. So I will put everything in the um in the description below and all the links and stuff that you need. Um, so we kind of wrap up in a little bit. I've just got a few more questions yeah, sure, and we'll sure, kind sure. of summarize it at the end if that's okay with you. Um, so we've got a lot of backing from big universities and other establishments. If you could say one company that you would like to be using Gene in the future, who would you say? That's a very good question. It's a very, very good question. Um, (laughs) I think one that would be very, very exciting would be someone like the NHS, um, not, not a company, but an institution. Um, not mm. only is the not yeah. only is you know is it an incredible institution that's doing really important things, but the aim for us is that by enabling um, research to take place faster, there's a, there's a there's a societal knock on for that. So if people if you can even you know influence a, a marginal improvement in uh, the efficiency of research, you know think of other think of improvements in you know healthcare mm-hmm. think of improvements in uh, drug discovery i know the nhs don't do that but um think of the improvements down the line um that that these that these marginal gains in in research can make so mm-hmm. i think the focus for us is is really having institutions or companies that focus on um social benefit where those where those improvements in research, in uh, the ability to make decisions more quickly and more accurately, have a real impact on uh, everyone. Um, I think that's that's kind of the vision, uh, and that's that's what is motivating us to uh, to to build something like this in the long term. 
Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> Good to see you in a, in a year's time in the chess using Genie. I'll be I'll be very happy to see that as well. <laughs> um also say so you're saying you're you're the chief obviously the chief marketing officer. Did mm. you um because I'm very interested in marketing myself, um coming out of university or even in university, apart from um obviously the other businesses that you've had, goodness and other endeavours that you've had how did you kind of teach yourself or kind of absorb your marketing kind of knowledge was there were there any books or any videos or any courses internships Um, what kind of stuff would you recommend i think marketing really can be broken down into a few a few things the key thing is just is, is understanding people understanding people's desires what they want what their pain points are. If you can really establish and understand someone's frustrations, why they're frustrated and and how you can position yourself as an opportunity or as a product or a platform or an experience that can help to alleviate that problem, that's kind of the crux of marketing. Um, So I think a lot of that that, that, that's almost that's almost more of a a kind of social social science or um, a practice in empathy. I did English, which interestingly is is quite is, is very useful for for reading mm-hmm. into those those kind of hidden social relations, those minute re- relations, yeah. and and you know practicing empathy on a very analytical and, and theoretical level. Um, the other side of it is you know the branding and the advertising side of marketing, which is much more focused around you know aesthetics and impact and and capturing people's attention visually um so i've had i've had an interest in art i've worked on a few art projects myself um and i think being in interested in mm-hmm. you know the, the kind of creative side of it is is quite useful as well um the last the last the last aspect is is like the science of marketing as well um so it's about you know understanding uh, the analytics, understanding um, like, you know, customer acquisition costs, um, how you can improve landing page performance, digital marketing, stuff like that. Is, there's, there's tons of really good blogs, tons of really good YouTube videos. Um, so Neil Patel, for example, does a really good blog on SEO. Mm-hmm. He does YouTube videos as well. Um, yeah, there's honestly, there's honestly loads of stuff. Y Combinator do loads of really good videos um, on all sorts of things, both marketing and product related. Um, mm. Andrew Chen has a really good blog. Uh, I'd encourage everyone to check that out. Loads of really good stuff on marketing and, and product-led growth as well. Um, so yeah, I think, I think all sorts. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's very uh, it's very multifaceted marketing. There's a lot of like you don't necessarily. It's kind of moving now um, in society. You don't necessarily need a, a marketing degree to be successful at marketing. It's mainly the from what I'm seeing. It's mainly the experience you can gain along the way. It doesn't necessarily have to be in a internship. I mean, a lot of the stuff in the pandemic and whatever you've seen a lot of um, people starting just businesses i mean some really simple businesses such as uh i saw on tiktok the other day um someone started a sweet business where they literally buy inventory put it in the box do the marketing send it off and people buy all that so it's just the kind of micro experiences that kind of build up your marketing knowledge it's kind of it, it, it's key it's key yeah, in the future I think and on the, the, um, on, on the, on the well, most like basic level it's just it's just about understanding brilliant. what people want and understanding 
how to present it in a way that will make them want it even more. Um, and I think, yeah, like you say, anyone can kind of do mm-hmm. that if they really, you know, take a step back and think about it for a moment. And with things like TikTok, with social media, it's, it's actually really easy to reach people, especially young people. Um, so, yeah, mm. I, I think uh, I think it's something that you can pick up quite naturally these days. Um, I think as well on top of that, we're, without even mm. knowing it, we're so exposed to marketing all the time. Um, all these social media, they're filled with ads. Um, that, you know, if you if you really just want to learn how it's done, sometimes the best way mm. is just to see what your favorite, how your favorite brands are advertising themselves, how they're positioning themselves, because there will have been thousands of pounds put behind market yeah. research, split testing different ads, different copy, all this stuff. So one of the best ways to learn is actually just to take inspiration from the brands that inspire you. And by doing that, you know, you're 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 educating yourself about about how it's done. You, you can you can literally see how the biggest players are, are marketing and advertising themselves with without any without any um, without any education and training. Obviously, when it comes to things like digital marketing, there is there are, there are skills to be learned there. Um, there there are like tricks and there's there's the science behind it as well. Um, but in terms mm-hmm. of just getting the first steps in and understanding the basics. I'd encourage anyone to just start to think about the brands that they interact with and and trying to learn what 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 those what those companies are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was that um kind of the approach with uh, with Genie? Did you model your kind of marketing, or are you going to model your marketing on some other companies that you've seen before? Inspirational companies. Most people will probably produce some sort of mood board to start off with. Um, brands that inspire them and you know another big part of marketing mm-hmm. is obviously understanding the market um, so you need competition you need to position yourselves against competition or in line with competition um, so I think that's yeah it's a totally integral part of, of building your own brand is looking at what other people are doing and seeing where you fit within the market yeah no, that's brilliant. I think um, I think we'll start to wrap up. Um, we've got kind of one big overall question at the end. It doesn't have to be related to anything we've just talked about. Um, but if you could give kind of one piece of advice or multiple pieces of advice to young people today, say they're in um, they're in university or about to graduate from university, what kind of advice would you give them? Just yeah, just so, kind I mean, of encapsulate the thing everything that I, in life. That I, I constantly tell forward. myself is just don't be afraid to be out of your comfort zone. Uh, in fact, embrace being out of your comfort zone. The more you're out of the, your comfort zone, mm-hmm. you might be like, oh my God, what am I doing? But you'll very, very quickly learn. Um, and if, you, if, you, if you're always feeling like, if you're always <laughs> feeling comfortable, if you're always feeling yeah. like you know what's going on, then you're never really pushing yourself um, or not, uh, not, at least you're not pushing yourself as much as you could be. So yeah, don't be afraid of just trying something out, mm. not really knowing what you're doing. Um, you just got to trust that over time you'll you'll pick things up so quickly and you'll improve so quickly. And just yeah, that, that's why. Well, I mean, that's the advice that I try to constantly give myself. So I feel like it's it's the best thing to try and give everyone else as well. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of comes back to the um, the baptism of fire thing you said about when you first came into the startup. Um, yeah, kind of. I've interviewed a few people already, and that's the kind of overarching um, 
uh, advice they would give to people yeah. in one way or another. Um, so it's it's good it's good to hear it from you as well. Um, okay, so if we uh, want to find yeah, more so you about you or about uh, Genie, um, what kind of channels should we look at? Genie.io. Um, we're also on all the social media: um, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. If you're interested in understanding more specifically about how Genie works, we have a YouTube channel filled with tons of demos and tutorials. Um, and as mentioned before, there's a 14-day free trial which can be cancelled at any time with um, no strings attached. So even if you just want to have a play around, see what the AI does, um, just give it a shot, then you're welcome to do that as well. And um, if you do, feel free to uh, give me an email and let me know what you think because we'd love to, uh, we, we love feedback. Um, so yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. That's no, brilliant. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on, Alex.